The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Archaeology is often viewed as a fascinating, eclectic, yet ultimately quaint pursuit. This program explores archaeology from the perspective of professionals who demonstrate that in the 21st century, archaeology and its sub-disciplines may hold the key, not only to our past, but to our present and future. Welcome to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, with your host, Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Spend the next hour exploring where we came from and where we're headed with a leading researcher and practitioner in the field. Now, here is Dr. Schuldenrein. Good evening here from New York City. Uh, welcome to another edition of Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. Uh, as many of you may very well know, archaeology is in many ways at the forefront of high technology applications and the use of high technology and cyber archaeology in general is coming into the foreground in large part because uh, the ability for archaeologists to excavate where they want to has uh, diminished over the years. Uh, this isn't, after all, the age of sustainability, and in a lot of parts of the world, you simply cannot dig what you used to be able to dig uh, in a more traditional sense, and with the advances that have been made in technology, uh, the information yield that one can glean from technology Logical approaches to archaeology is exponentially enhanced by the use of appro- appropriate methods and techniques, and these techniques are only getting more refined over the course of time, and what we are going to do in our special program today is discuss the ways in which the most sophisticated archaeological technologies are being applied to actually fairly traditional sites. Um, my guest today is Dr. Maurizio Forte, who is the William and Sue Gross a Professor of Classical Studies, Art, Art History, and Visual Studies, Visual Studies at uh, Duke University. He was the Professor of World Heritage at the University of California, Merced, and Director of the Virtual Heritage Lab. He was uh, a Chief of Research at the Italian National Research Council and senior scientist at the Institute for Technologies Applied to Cultural Heritage as well as professor of virtual environments for cultural heritage at the University of Lugano. Um, We will be talking today about one of the most famous Neolithic or New Age stone sites in the world and it is the site of Chateau Huyuk in uh, south central Turkey in the area of Anatolia. I am pleased to welcome you Dr. Forte uh, to our program. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me and good evening. 
So why don't you give the audience a little bit of the history of Chateau-Huyuk, which uh, was, I believe, discovered about 50 years ago, and tell us a little bit about how the site uh, was discovered, how it's been excavated, your uh, involvement in it, and then we will get into questions of your unique approach. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, as you currently introduced, the site is in central Anatolia in, uh, in Turkey, uh, near the modern city of Konya. And it was uh, excavated, um, first of all, uh, uh, by James Mallard in the 50s and the 60s. Uh, and uh, more recently, uh, since 1993, uh, by, G- uh, by Ian Harder, who is our uh, general director of, of the project. Um, the site is, is uh, um, very important for several reasons. Uh, it's uh, one of the first, uh, or maybe the first, urban center of the world, uh, and also uh, uh, so famous because it's related to what we call the agricultural revolution, one of the most important uh, phenomenon in the uh, history of human being. Um, and um, and also important because of the chronology. When I, when I say one of the first urban centers in the world, I mean uh, um, chronologically speaking about uh, uh, 7,400 uh, years uh, before Christ, uh, and uh, famous as well for the first world painting of mural art, uh, mural art, um, a wonderful example of symbolism and um, and uh, rituals as well. So this is, I think. Uh, uh, one uh, of the sites uh, which we have to study as modern um, humans in order to understand our history and, uh, and the complexity of early society. So you had mentioned that it was discovered in the 1950s by James Millard, and of course it is one of the key agricultural sites in the world. Why don't you take us through the uh, advances in site excavation and interpretations since the 50s and how each successive excavation advanced the knowledge of science about the site? Yeah, I think this is a great point to discuss. Um, I, I, would, I would like to start with an example uh, James Mallard um, um, spent uh, uh, usually a couple of days uh, uh, to dig an Neolithic house. Um, uh, uh, and then a new generation of archaeologists spent uh, sometimes three uh, or five years to dig completely and scientifically uh, at the same size of a Neolithic house. So that means that... Uh, uh, we use a lot of uh, um, uh, different technologies and methodologies. I'm uh, involved uh, in the uh, in the digital, uh, in the, very much in the and the virtual and digital technology for interpretation and, and virtual reconstruction of the site. But of course, there's a combination of different techniques we use on site. For example, laser scanners, uh, um, computer vision, photogrammetry. And, uh, um, and virtual reality system used on site. The combination of these technologies uh, um, uh, really uh, uh, make the difference because we collect uh, uh, more information and uh, with a completely different accuracy. So this change changes radically the perspective, the research perspective, and of course, uh, I can write the deep research questions. 
but what what did we know say when Millard started digging it? How did how did he begin to put together the information, and uh, who succeeded him, and and how did the interpretations change, say, from the fifties to the sixties, and um, what kind of technologies were used at that time, and how did they change the level at which we were able to interpret the site? Yeah, in the fifties, the sixties, of course, then. Uh, um, uh, uh, most part of the work uh, uh, was uh, on, uh, uh, of course, digging uh, rather than documenting. This is very important. No, but this is not just Chataloyuk. In general, archaeology right. in the 5th and the 6th, of course, uh, is not so much uh, uh, focused on documentation. It's very focused on digging. I mean, uh, uh, 90% of the work was on the excavation. This can, of course, uh, so what uh, uh, this archaeology can uh, lead to us now for interpretation is not so much. We have uh, uh, some sketches, uh, some maps, uh, sometimes we have photos, but we don't know exactly uh, uh, the spatial uh, 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 information related to, uh, to, uh, to the excavation or some, or some uh, uh, specific structures or objects uh, found in the excavation. So the difference is, uh, uh, I would say, mostly on the documentation process, which was, uh, of course, uh, um, uh, very quick and not very accurate. Uh, right. in, ter- in terms of technology, of course, there is a gap, because in, in, uh, at that time, uh, uh, they didn't have, archaeologists didn't have uh, scanners, didn't have uh, any digital tool, didn't have a GPS, global uh, positioning system, or geophysical uh, uh, tools, or... Um, for example, um, uh, tablet PC and and uh, and so on, or satellite uh, uh, aerial photos, and a combination of all this information. So this, of course, uh, uh, makes an enormous difference in terms of uh, 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 data processing. So in in the early days, then, they were just describing the houses, they were describing the artifacts, they weren't necessarily putting that information together, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. But also there was not so much attention to the stratigraphy, which now the focus of our job. Uh, uh, let me remind that Chatalouk has a very complex microstratigraphy. So we, we count sometimes, several times, hundreds and hundreds of micro layers of floors, of rosters, of paintings. And this, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, needs a different approach. Uh, um, you can go... Uh, you can dig by sim- uh, simply fine, of course, by simplification, but of course this uh, 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 doesn't return any uh, high quality and, in terms of interpretation of information. And it doesn't so mean I've... that uh, James Mellon uh, uh, didn't do a great job. He, he made a great job with, at the time, but of course uh, uh, having a, a, an enormous gap uh, uh, because of, of the documentation technique and the methodological approach. You, you talked about the stratigraphy. So when he was digging the uh, the houses and he was digging the site generally, how many levels did he identify in the occupation at that point? Well, uh, you, uh, what we distinguish now in, uh, in general Chetayuka for um, uh, Melat, we distinguish and you distinguish also general phases, not layers, I mean not microstratigraphy or not stratigraphy, uh, uh, phases in terms of, uh, uh, of course, uh, occupation phases. So, for example, 
several houses and apparently uh, uh, constructing the same period. So not uh, stratigraphies, but uh, uh, buildings in that specific case. Um, so we don't have any. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't have so much uh, um, in terms of stratigraphy. I have also to say that uh, it was interesting for uh, several teams, research teams working at Chatalyuk, to uh, re-excavate the Nellar um, uh, section, Nellar section, and Nellar uh, trenches in order to try to uh, recover. Um, uh, some data uh, we missed in the documentation. And I think this, uh, um, uh, this report was uh, quite successful uh, in, in several cases uh, because we can match uh, um, uh, our, documenta- uh, our documentation uh, process can sometimes match uh, um, uh, the exact location and, uh, and of, um, of the mallet excavation. Of course, the uh, and digging what it is already excavated is difficult, but can, can sometimes uh, give us uh, um, uh, a new interpretation um, uh, power. And so, uh, so there's a re-excavation, and of course, you can look at what he excavated through the contemporary eyes of, of what you know now, correct? Yes, correct. Also, uh, as you correctly point out, uh, we can uh, integrate the stratigraphic, what we call the stratigraphic gap. Uh, so what uh, we didn't get from, uh, unfortunately, we cannot uh, recover uh, uh, from the documentation the fifth and the sixth, uh, but it's still possible some, um, uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, this excavation was very much focused on buildings. Uh, we find several times uh, uh, Part of the stratigraphy is uh, completely un- uh, untouched or intact, and that that uh, helped a lot in 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 our interpretation. So, so you could expand sort of everything. You could, you just have a much bigger window on site use and site occupation. And uh, that's something that wasn't available back then. We're going to take a, sh- a quick break here, and we're going to come back in- with this very fascinating discussion with Dr. Maurizio Forte and uh, discuss uh, the site of Chateau-Huyuk and how our perspectives on that site have changed with the advances in modern technology. We'll be right back after these words. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show. The Sharon Kleina Hour. Health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. News, opinion, 
Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. This is Joe Schuldenrein. I'm back with our guest for today's discussion, Dr. Maurizio Forte, who is uh, undertaking a very, very sophisticated reanalysis and pro- uh, advanced analysis of the site of Chateauhuyuk in uh, southern Anatolia in Turkey. And it is one of the most significant uh, Neolithic sites in the world. And uh, Maurizio, before we get into the high technology and the cyber technology and the very sophisticated applications that you have applied to this site, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what, how the site functioned around 7500 BC and what was it? How many buildings were there? What was the agricultural uh, economy? like and how did it relate to other sites in that part of Turkey which is very well known archaeologically yeah that's right um, well the site first of all uh, uh, as, uh, as we already uh, said a long uh, history um, and uh, the first I, I have to uh, again say that they're constituted by two mounds, uh, the uh, east and the west mound one is Neolithic and the late phase is calculatic so the first uh, um, um, thing to say is that we are uh, now digging and, and our team is exploring the Neolithic phase of the Hatsai. It was a site with um, um, popula- an estimated population of 8,000 or maybe 10,000 people. Uh, all the houses uh, constructed mud bricks with uh, um, white plaster and several of them uh, uh, decorated um, uh, uh, with uh, uh, red painting. Uh, some of the repaintings uh, can represent geometrical shapes, uh, and some other, more important, of course, uh, have, uh, uh, represent a very sophisticated and complex iconography. For example, representation of wild animals, of uh, scenes of hunting, and 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 so on. Um, uh, we we uh, harder in, in, in many articles uh, um, try to classify these houses as a history houses because they they uh, they have a narrative. Uh, inside, um, and uh, um, it's important to say that uh, um, the house is in the same, it's a kind of a, a complex social unit, uh, and uh, it means that it was uh, um, a ritual unit, but in the same time uh, was a domestic unit. So, I mean, people were living there, but uh, uh, I have to uh, remind that the, there was, uh, in, May, in all the house, there was a platform, uh, usually with white plaster with several uh, human bodies inside. It's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, so this is uh, a ritual platform with several burial uh, skulls also plastered. The decoration of um, uh, uh, was decorated with uh, um, sculpture of animals, for example, and um, 
and uh, and for for what uh, um, what what is concerning uh, the agriculture, of course, there is an important aspect is a, a, a very in, in um, or a large scale uh, spatial organization of uh, um, of the territory. Um, of course, farming, domestication of plants and animals. This is what uh, we we call the agricultural revolution. Something uh, didn't happen before, and and and, and it's true. It's not an, a, a, an isolated um, center. So Central Anatolia has many agroecological and analytic sites, but Chataliuk is unique in this uh, combination of. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, urban kinetic planning, um, art, uh, symbolism, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, agriculture. And how many people do you say, you say it was about 8,000 people lived there? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. At this, uh, it, at the last estimate, yeah, uh, can, can, uh, can say that the possible, very possibly between 8,000 and 10,000 people living there. So hundreds of houses, of course, uh, um, on on this uh, on this plateau. It uh, ended the mound uh, 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 is a part of of the site. I have to also to um, to say that uh, uh, just ten percent of the site is excavated because so uh, we estimate that uh, because of the size of the territory and also because we have data from uh, geophysical uh, surveys and aerial photography and, of course, additional analysis. But we have to remind that just a little part of the site is covered. So the excavations went on after Mellart, and uh, was anybody digging there, say, in the 70s or the 80s, or was it pretty much quiet there? Yeah, it was uh, after Mellert, uh, um, uh, Ian Harder in uh, 1993 uh, started the new excavation. Uh, all, all uh, uh, both uh, uh, from Cambridge, so that, the, the, of course, now uh, Harder is a professor at Stanford, but uh, um, it's important to, um, to highlight that uh, the, the, the archaeological excavation were managed by uh, by Cambridge University. Right now, and in the last decades, uh, I, I have, uh, there are so many research teams that uh, involve in in archaeological science that I would say that it might be the most international site of the world. Over 120 people every year, uh, and sometimes even under 50 uh, scholars and students work together on science. So you would say then that the age of modern excavation basically started in the 90s, correct? Correct, yes. And so take us through that. Then how all of a sudden has the excavation systems changed? And obviously there is more information, there is more technology, there is more advances in methodology, and as you had indicated, remote sensing work, geophysical work. How does all of that come together at Chateau Huyuk before we get into the virtual modeling of, of, of what this all, all means and, in a sense, the deconstruction of the site? How do they start to look at it anew, and what kind of techniques were the most productive in the beginning of the new excavations? So I, think, uh, I think one of the greatest questions we might have for, uh, uh, for the archaeology, for the archaeology of Chetayu, 
Well, Ian Arbor is uh, uh, the founder of the post-processual archaeology, and, um, and Tuchatala Yuki is the first example of what we call uh, reflexive uh, 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 applications or methods uh, in, in archaeology. Uh, right, reflexive right. means uh, a, a combination of different research questions concerning, uh, for example, on-site interactions, uh, and uh, uh, the use of uh, um, uh, diary and for the description of the site, the videos, uh, uh, multimedia, web-based, database, uh, um, hypertext, uh, virtual reconstruction, and so on. So the fact that the site uh, um, uh, starts to be open to a, a, a really multivocal approach with several different stakeholders, and not just archaeology, this is very important to say, um, uh, human remains team, uh, uh, paleo uh, botany teams, uh, team studying uh, architecture, architecture uh, team studying the social aspect, the religious aspect, uh, and so on. I would say that this, uh, uh, beside the importance of the Neolithic site, is a fantastic example of a multidisciplinary approach in archaeology. Several labs working together, different research questions, different. Uh, um, uh, uh, methodology, and uh, and finally, of course, uh, um, a different kind of analysis as well. So are all these groups coordinated? I mean, are they working together for sort of a comprehensive reconstruction of the site and the site formation processes, or is it basically every team doing its own specific type of research? Is there an organizational thread to it? Yeah, uh, they they all work together. Um, uh, there is a uh, Chataluk is uh, almost in the middle of nowhere, so there is a big house uh, able to host, uh, um, as I said, uh, over 100 people uh, during the summer, and uh, we different the operative lab. So uh, uh, the, the, all the teams work together. Uh, and different teams have every day or every two days a side tour. So there's always a continuous uh, debate and dialogue between uh, and among teams and between uh, archaeologists, anthropologists, and other experts. So it's a continuous collaborative effort for the investigation of the site. And it happens on site and off site. I mean, uh, all the teams work together on site, uh, but the dialogue continues because uh, uh, all the information is available online, so that, that's why the databases are open, so we continue to work uh, and to, to post-process data to discuss even uh, when we go back home. And, uh, and this happens uh, every year. So it's an enormous uh, effort, international effort for... Um, uh, Make, able to make Chatala your project so special. Now, does each team have a specific area of the site that they're excavating or a specific purpose or a different specific methodology? How does that work and who coordinates it? Well, this is very complicated to say because uh, uh, I would say yes, yes, yes in all the questions. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> because there are teams working in specific areas because they have specific questions, but the same team works even in other areas because they collaborate with other teams which require a specific expertise. For example, when we dig a, a, a burial, then uh, uh, we expect to have uh, several... Uh, deposition, several um, um, uh, human depositions or several individuals. 
So this is part of the of the uh, this job is done by, for example, my team as a archaeologist plus uh, the human remains team, and we we work together. Then we work together in the documentation process and so on. But the same uh, human remains team as, uh, as other uh, goals in other um, uh, parts of the excavation, so they of course they they are even independent. So this. Kind of interaction is quite complex. There are other, even students, of course, are involved in, uh, in, in you know, graduate students might have uh, specific uh, um, research perspectives according to the dissertation proposals and so on. And then they might collaborate with different teams. Um, uh, we rotate also students. I had the chance to work uh, last summer with uh, 10 different students and they uh, and they have a different business question in, in, in different exploration areas, for example. And so all this, the students are pursuing their own particular research interests as the excavations go along. Yeah, they, they do. And in the same time, of course, they collaborate, they collaborate with us. Uh, and uh, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one graduate student uh, involved in, uh, in the study of micro layers, micro can work on that dissertation uh, 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 proposal but in, uh, or, or research, but in the same time, uh, uh, she can or he can give me more information about uh, the, the floors that I'm uh, digging in, in the Neolithic house uh, um, I'm excavating. So that, that's an example that, of collaborative work. So they, they, the research question can coexist somehow in, in the same area, um, uh, and with different kind of analysis, of course, because microscopic analysis or uh, uh, other instruments uh, um, used for uh, identification of microlayers are so important for, for uh, even for the uh, reconstruction of the um, of the stratigraphical uh, And we will be back with this very fascinating discussion of modern archaeology, contemporary methodologies in archaeological applications at the site of Chateau Hoyuk in uh, Anatolia right after these words. Stay with us. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. We're back this evening with our guest, Dr. Maurizio Forte of uh, Duke University, and Dr. Forte is uh, one of the chief architects of the archaeological teams and the archaeological approaches that are currently being used at the very famous site of Chateauhuyuk in southern Anatolia in Turkey, which was a Neolithic a village and a Calcolithic village that was occupied after 7500 BC. It's a very complicated site that is characterized by extensive evidence for domestication and agriculture, as well as a huge complex of of houses and extra, uh, serious evidence for social organization and economic and a political. Uh, transformations and changes at that time at the edge of the Near East. And uh, Dr. Forte is known certainly for the last, over the last few years, for employing uh, new, very, very state of the art cutting techniques cutting-edge techniques, which have been defined variously as cyber archaeology, 3D archaeology, and approaches to virtual archaeology, if you will. And Dr. Forte, why don't you just give us sort of a general overview of what 3D and virtual archaeology is all about and how it applies to the work at Chateau Yeah, for sure. Um, well, there are several ways to describe our job, um, um, that, that 3D archaeology in general, what we call cyber archaeology, is based on um, three uh, main uh, um, steps and, and stages of work. One is uh, the, the 3D data collection with uh, uh, an in, a different integrated technologies such as laser, laser scanners, um, digital photogrammetry, uh, image modeling, uh, and the product of this is a 3D model of the excavation. The second step is um, uh, the implementation of uh, all the data we collect uh, in, uh, in, uh, on site in a, in, a, in a georeference system like 3DJS or other online system. And the third one, uh, which is very important for interpretation, is the simulation. So virtual reality or immersive system um, in order to interact with data. So I, I like to call this process cyber because cyber archaeology because it's um, very much based on, on the uh, on the interaction uh, with data and on the um, on the three um, D um, on three D uh, uh, virtual environment of simulation. So how it works? Well. Uh, first of all, um, it's important that uh, all the documentation process uh, has uh, um, a, a systematic uh, uh, digital um, uh, data collection and data capturing. 
which we, and today this is a, a very quick, a very effective. So we we collect data. Uh, our in um, as I said, with laser scanners, with, uh, which are instrument able to collect clouds, millions of points uh, on uh, on the excavation. We um, transform this enormous amount of uh, this uh, enormous amount of, of point clouds of point in geometry, and then we analyze that. Uh, after the, the documentation, that most the challenging thing is the implementation in uh, uh, tools that everybody can use, and this is uh, very challenging for sure. Because um, the more we can share, and we can, uh, and the more we can uh, make this interpretation collaborative, of course, the more we can have a chance to reinterpret the sign, to have new research questions, uh, hopefully even new answers. Um, and also new potential for future cultural transmission of, of this data to other generations. Um, that, that's why I think that the approaches can be successful at the very end. So how do you initially feed in the data to your models? I mean, after all, you're constructing models based on data, you're synthesizing them, and then you're generating interpretations. How does this entire complex work, and in what sequence are, are, are these uh, basic data sets getting together? Yeah, the, the, uh, the, main, the main difference is that uh, we collect all the stratigraphy. This, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, there are many sites now uh, with, uh, uh, where I told you um, start to use the 3D technologies uh, uh, and, and so on and, and similar techniques. The, the difference in Chatao is, uh, is the fact that we systematically use uh, um, um, 3D uh, data capturing for any stratigraphy, any layer, anything, any artifact, so everything. So uh, we know that, unfortunately, uh, archaeology is a destructive, uh, when we dig, archaeology is a destructive technique. So we, 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 course, need, yeah. to, we need to go back to the, to the, to the data, otherwise uh, what is gone is gone. We cannot go back to the stratigraphy. So every model uh, is generated on site. This is very important, not post-process after months. So we, we, uh, in an hour, we have a 3D model available, sometimes even in 20 minutes or in 15 minutes. And this model is available immediately on a laptop computer or on a tablet. Now we, we have several tablets, and, and the, the excavation is paperless. <laughs> and and uh, uh, this is another uh, interesting revolution in archaeology. So we, we use just the digital tools. And, uh, and the, the, the models are, um, uh, are I, I would say that this is the most maybe fascinating phase of the work, where the model is, Represent the mediated experience. So, what the collect a different uh, instrument can generate and and collect uh, on, on site, but at the same time, the archaeologist can face uh, the uh, an empirical uh, observation of the same layer in front. Uh, so, there is an interesting uh, interaction between real, so what is the, what we dig, and virtual. So the 3D model of what we have in front of us at that moment. So this happens almost in real time now, so they, and this is the first phase of interpretation. Then, of course, going back to the lab, all the models are uh, georeferenced in, in order to be compatible with all the systems. And we've added the other excavation, so I would say not just uh, 
uh, our excavation. Old Chatayoke is uh, uh, represents an enormous, uh, a very large scale data set. Uh, uh, not all 3D, of course, but uh, now is is going to be three dimensional for uh, most part of the work. And then the data can this is maybe the most difficult part of the work is uh, what to do with models. And then we, of course, 3D models can be used in several ways. Can be used uh, in very uh, in, at Duke University. We have a, an immersive. Uh, System uh, we call this dive uh, Duke uh, immersive virtual and virtual environment, which is a, 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 a sort of immersive cube where we uh, share data with students, with faculty, and we we we, we several times we, we we might have different interpretation because we we review the data in other way. Simulation give us other access to the, to, to the data. I think that one of the really magnificent advances that was made, and, and certainly by your work, is that what you just emphasized before, is that archaeology is implicitly destructive. And what we have now, with thanks to some of the 3D generation that you have been able to perpetuate, is we can now look at relationships between artifacts and stratigraphies in retrospect and look at them because you've been able to, in a sense, reconstruct them, and and it's no longer really gone. It's 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 virtually there, so you can reconstruct relationships that once existed in the ground that were taken out, but now you can compensate for that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. In addition, uh, I would say that we do something we cannot do on site. I mean, physically. For example, uh, we can see three D uh, relationship. We are not able to see when we dig because we, we dig a layer, so we see just the surface. We cannot go through. But when we virtually dig, I mean, we virtually reproduce the excavation, we can see through the layer. So we can see uh, the stratigraphy in a, in a kind of microscopy or X-ray <laughs> visualization. This, right. of course, it's, it's difficult to talk about that. We've <laughs> I can't show anything here, but... I'm sure that uh, we can uh, help, uh, uh, of course, um, uh, um, uh, others to, to, to follow this online on the website and so on. But I think it, this is the enormous, uh, unbelievable potential of, uh, of, the, of 3D reproduction. So we can simulate things that not totally or uh, uh, possible on site, and we can several times we can make. Uh, uh, Discoveries, or or we can have a, a different kind of perspective, right? Uh, in the re in the interpretation of data, we think we know, but basically we don't know enough because they are just gone after uh, the excavation, and they are not allow us to have a, 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 a physical access to uh, to, to complicated uh, relationship uh, in stratigraphies and in and, and different. Uh, um, uh, for example, in different uh, points of excavation or different layers. Right, and I think the beauty of this all is that this virtual reality is really close to 100% real reality because um, you have piece plotted and you have recorded the uh, the data in three dimensions, and that will allow you to visualize it as accurately as, as it was even before you took it out of the ground because what you've mimicked is what was there before you took it out. Yeah, totally, and... Uh 
also, as we said already, we work as a multidisciplinary team, so it's very important that we have a collaborative interpretation, and when we go back to the 3D data, 3D models, and I'm very happy to say that this approach was very successful, for example, for the human remain team. And so my colleagues from Oxford, from Stanford, and so on, they, they, they were able, thanks to the 3D um, uh, interpretation, to reproduce and also to find out the, uh, uh, the sequence, the, uh, the, con- the context, the, the, the original context of, um, for example, a, 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 a different burial in down a platform where there's a complication of, uh, um, of uh, stratigraphy. You can find the several skulls, but we don't find the body. Or you can find several right. bodies, but there are right. no skulls. And this can be uh, this uh, sometimes chaotic uh, uh, stratigraphic um, asset can be explored just accordingly in a 3D virtual sequence. And we will come back with our final segment on this very fascinating discussion on 3D and virtual archaeology at the Neolithic and Calcolithic site of Shatalhuyuk in uh, southern Turkey right after these words. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. To be a part of our discussion today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Indiana Jones Myth Reality at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Can you do- 
We're back with our final segment of this week's edition of Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology. And we have entered into the techno capacity and techno 3D virtual reality cyberspatial components of what archaeology is fast becoming um, because of the unique interpretive abilities that we have with the applications of technological tools and one of the most fascinating laboratories for utilizing these strategies and interpretive methodologies is the site of Chateau Huyuk, a Neolithic and Calcolithic village from southern Anatolia. Uh, Dr. Maurizio Forte is the pioneer, one of the pioneers of 3D and virtual archaeology. And Dr. Forte, why don't you tell us uh, in what particular interpretive domains 3D archaeology has proved to be very, very useful as a tool for archaeological excavation and interpretation? There are several, uh, I think, examples uh, uh, I, I can mention, uh, of course, not just Chapaloyuk. Uh, uh, for example, we, in the case of, uh, um, of the Roman world, uh, I worked for three years in the reconstruction of uh, uh, the Imperial Villa of Livia, the, the spouse of the Emperor Augustus in Rome. And uh, we, in that case, we have reconstructed uh, um, uh, the Roman villa starting from uh, um, uh, excavation. Um, made in the, in the 1980s, and uh, it was very very impressive that uh, we were able to reinterpret uh, the villa itself, uh, simply reproducing all um, uh, excavation and starting excava- the reconstruction, virtual reconstruction of the villa from that excavation um, recorded by Liza Scanner. This was, uh, I think, an example where the digital and 3D interpretation of a known site. Can, uh, can can give different answers and uh, and uh, and can uh, basically change or transform the way we approach archaeological problems. Um, other examples, of course, are related with uh, uh, different phases of uh, of uh, uh, an archaeological context. So, Ayuk is very uh, photography is very complex, even. It's quite disappointing sometimes for visitors to see the site because they expect something uh, simple, easy, and impressive. Um, sure. But, yeah. but that, it, it's going to happen. So the, the site is complex, uh, is um, is very difficult to understand, and unfortunately, is not so uh, spectacular how maybe um, uh, like um, many would like to imagine. And so we work also a lot on this gap in between dirty archaeology, say, imagination and communication. I think this aspect is very important even for public archaeology, not just about discovery, but also is in the importance of the, of the ownership of the past, the social uh, aspect, the social outcome of uh, the interpretation of the past. And this, I think, is one of the mission of archaeologists, uh, besides, of course, the scientific one, which is uh, what we do in the field. The, the, we need to reproduce information in order to make the information, the cloud information, understandable, shareable, and accessible. And this is part of the work we do very much, and we have 3D uh, archaeology and cyber archaeology. We start from the fieldwork, and uh, we don't finish. We... We, we simulate data and we try to 
communicate um, them to a large audience. And the larger the audience is part of the process. This, I think, uh, is part of the magic cycle of the uh, of this social, uh, say, three uh, D social loop. So from documentation to to cyber simulation and, uh, and 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 use of data. And when you talk about the audience, you're not just talking about professional colleagues and, and academics, but we're also talking about trying to deliver the message of how this site was utilized to the greater public and the people who are really learning about how past lifeways were, and to some degree, the people that will from now on start funding this type of work, correct? Yes, correct. And uh, for example, we are uh, my team and uh, is working with others for uh, a reconstruction of the site uh, hopefully is uh, uh, available in the future in the in the local digital center and maybe also in the internet uh, as well and and uh, yeah I agree of course it's exactly what we, we try to do, to, to do all the time to make data accessible not just um, the scientific community but to the general public um, and this site of course uh, uh, which is World Heritage Site since 2012. So now it has, it has also a formal rank in the UNESCO uh, 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 list. So it, it's really the site, and we, 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 we have to work much more on that for sure. And I think it's uh, part of our job uh, is, is already um, in this direction. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Chatel Huyuk, uh, the teams that you've been working with, they have been involved in public outreach and extending and uh, projecting the information and uh, basically making these interpretations and reconstructions available to the public for years now. I mean, they've been doing this uh, very religiously, I think, because Chatel Huyuk is now all over the world. People are recognizing the significance of the site, and because of these virtual modeling attempts, they were able to really see in, in quasi-real time what everything looked like back then. Yeah, I've, um, it's interesting uh, um, to, um, to remind that uh, in the um, uh, late 80s, early 90s, we are at, at the very beginning of, uh, of uh, computing, at least uh, at large-scale computing, um, Chetaliuk was uh, one of the first, if not the first, site to be virtually constructed in 3D. Um, I, uh, I published this uh, in my, uh, my one of my first book, Virtual Archaeology, and the work was, at the time um, was VKM, a German company, work on on this specific uh, reconstruction. But I think because the site was really um, uh, attracting uh, a, a public imagination. I mean, uh, we talk about uh, uh, the beginning of visual art in the uh, in the modern human. The, the general uh, the big revolution in the domestication of plants and animals. Um, new thinking, and and since we are at the conclusion, I guess of this conversation, I have to say something. Uh, the new direction, maybe. Uh, after uh, the simulation, uh, maybe a new field of research for the future. At Duke University, we will organize um, a workshop on neuroarchaeology next year. So how a new technology, a neuroscientist, and archaeology anthropology together can read the ancient mind. 
And so it's it's uh, an ongoing process, right? I mean, as as your technologies advance, then your ability to communicate gets better. And it seems as if that will resonate with the public because the responses seem to be very strong. Yeah, totally, exactly. And that, that's why uh, we need to uh, to move forward and uh, and and to have also mo- uh, in, in in keep going with this idea of multivocality, open uh, the research to other stakeholders, uh, to other uh, actors. Um, that's why I think that. Uh, the role, the role of, of neuroscience invests uh, uh, and in combination with new technology would be very important. That's why I, I, I hope that maybe uh, in a year or so we, we can discuss uh, uh, even more about uh, uh, the new challenges in the field. And uh, I have to say that archaeology uh, is, of course, is much more than a romantic activity right now. And on that note, I want to thank very much our special guest, Dr. Maurizio Forte, for enlightening us on the advances in virtual archaeology and 3D archaeology at the critical site of Chateau Huyuk, the World Heritage Monument. And I want to thank you very much for participating in the program and to the audience. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back again next week at the same time. Thank you so much and good evening. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. Please join us for another unique journey into the past next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. In the meantime, think about the past with an eye towards the future and a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.